Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today is Tuesday, April the 21st. On today's episode, we have Mr. Stephen Hayes joining us from the American Paint Horse Association to discuss some of the virtual horse shows the APHA has going on within their organization. But first, we have some housekeeping and some other stuff we need to talk about some past interviews, and some stuff we've been up to we would like to chat about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Western Bloodstock. Western Bloodstock conducts all of the sales at the NCHA and NRCHA major events in Fort Worth, Texas. Whether you're looking for a ready-made show horse, broodmares, or your next young prospect, Western Bloodstock has many options available to fulfill your performance horse needs like their page on facebook western bloodstock ltd or visit their website at www.westernbloodstock.com headland we've had a busy couple weeks had a big show last week with mr kevin knight of knight swift transportation holdings kind of a different interview a different chat it was cool to talk to someone that's really putting tons of food on the tables of Americans during these unprecedented times with COVID-19. Man, I thought it was great. Uh, obviously, a man of his stature coming on to our podcast and giving us some feedback and, and trying to help people in our industry is awesome. You know, we couldn't have asked for a better person to come on and, and do that because, it, you know, like we had said, we looked into the small business loan thing and the paycheck protection program and you and I were talking about how it could help these these trainers and stuff in this time but just our idea holds a lot more merit when Kevin comes on and and maybe hopefully somebody heard it and hopefully it helped somebody in this time of need so yeah it's just cool to see the types of relationships that you can foster within the horse industry because if it weren't for cutting and rain cow horses and performance horses in general we wouldn't know Kevin and we wouldn't have uh, come to see Kevin at all these horse shows in Fort Worth that we go to and met his daughter and met his son-in-law and his wife and, and so on and so forth. So to me, it's really neat that we were able to have such a pertinent conversation with someone that, like I said, is putting food on most of America's tables right now, helping supply grocery stores and get dry goods and stuff like that um, around uh, the USA. So uh, for me, that's what was really neat is that we were talking about something that wasn't even related to the horse industry at all, but uh, we were led to the conversation with Mr. Kevin Knight through the horse industry, and hopefully uh, some folks learned some things, because for me, you wouldn't think that with grocery stores running out of essentials such as toilet paper and hand sanitizer and paper towels and whatnot that Knight and Swift would be hauling tons of it, but that's exactly what I learned last week is that when the shelves are empty, that means the trucking companies are hauling an immense amount of those products. So that's a just a little new little tidbit I learned from that interview, which I really enjoyed. And once again, big thanks to Kevin for taking time out of his busy schedule. I can't imagine uh, with everything going on, um, working from his home office, he took time to come on to our podcast, and we thank him uh, immensely for that. So big thanks, big shout out to Kevin Knight for coming on the podcast last week. Another thing I wanted to talk about we hadn't really gotten to yet on this show was the great mayor, Junie Wood, was laid to rest a couple weeks ago. Junie Wood won over $525,000 
in the cutting arena, and she's in the top 20 money earners of all time within the NCHA. Cody, I know you're super close with John Mitchell, and uh, there's some babies that I know you'll be connected to. So talk a little bit about what your thoughts are on Junie Wood and the legacy she's going to leave behind. Man, it's obviously it's a lot shorter than they um, would have ever imagined. Um, I haven't talked to Johnny or anything like that yet, but, uh, man, she was a phenomenal performer, and, I mean, her record speaks for itself. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of babies that are coming up. She had two this last year, I believe, or one this last year that Johnny made the semifinals at the fraternity on, and, um, yeah, I, I'm sure it just – it sucks. It's part of the part of it, but it sucks. You know, it's uh, it's it, you can't. It's just part of owning horses and part of being in this business is sometimes horses like that um, have something go wrong. Yeah, good horses and good bird dogs are always always hard to say goodbye to, and I can't imagine what Gladen Nelson, Kelly Clark, Johnny Mitchell, everyone over at the Slate River Ranch. I was going through losing a mare like that. Johnny Mitchell, of course, won the 2014 Super Stakes aboard the great Junie Wood. She was the 2013 NCHA non-pro fraternity champion with Mr. Craig Crumpler in the saddle. I believe that was Craig's second or third non-pro fraternity title as well. So uh, she's got to hold a special place in a lot of people's heart around the cutting horse world. And like you said, Hedlund, her her record speaks for herself, and she was gone way too soon. It's like I look out in the pasture at my broodmares. I was looking at their papers the other day, and I think one's 16 and one's 18, and to me it feels like they're still nine. It's like after they age out of the age events, you don't really keep track of their ages and, and what, what the years are uh, that are that are passing you by. And to me, that's just what's crazy as you look at her, and she was only 10 years old. She still had a long, long way to go producing great babies that were going to win a lot of money. So it's just sad to see her go, and hopefully hopefully those babies that are on the ground um, will go on to continue that winning legacy of Junie Wood. So Hedlund noticed they broke the ground, kind of got her rolling on the new indoor arena. What else has been going on at the Baby Bar H in Slapan, Texas? <laughs> not much man we've been uh fertilizing some pastures on uh, the little 20 acres we got cutting down on that manure pile the indoor is on its way up they uh yeah just kind of been doing a lot of general housekeeping mowing pastures and taking care of stuff and i'm just ready for this to i'll be over with i'm ready for the the opening up of the country again i know what was it oil just dropped to what today oh there you're having to pay people to to buy or take your oil from you pretty much yeah it was in the negatives there for a while which is something that i've never seen um yeah i know especially being from west texas it's just crazy to think about the consequences of just a virus and the downfall of the stock market price of oil it's crazy to see, man, but Big John and I, I think Uncle Tim Smith, when he came on the podcast, kind of set the tone as far as getting all the all the small odd jobs around the ranch done. We've pretty much changed every bit of oil on four-wheelers and mules and power wash golf carts and watched every bit of Tiger King and tons of random YouTube videos just because there's no sports on. We've watched all sorts of final rounds of the Masters and U.S. Opens, and I actually watched a 
final round of a Champions Tour event with Tom Watson the other day. Really entertaining. I think it was like last four or five holes. I can't remember who he was playing, but it was just a birdie fest. And they like each of them birdied like four of the last five holes coming home. And that was kind of exciting just because there is no sports on. So um, for me, I'm just ready for sports to come back. I know I've heard a lot of people saying out there that they don't really miss sports that much. But when you think about everything that's just passed us by, like the Masters and March Madness and think about this last week in the NBA playoffs were supposed to be heating up. I even like watching the NHL playoffs. The Dallas Stars were having a heck of a season, and, of course, it gets cut short. Yeah, man, it's just a bummer. There's, It's hard did to you keep watch, track of the days still. Did you watch the Michael Jordan doc, the first two episodes? I haven't watched it yet, but it's amazing uh, to see just the response on social media to it after the first night. I, I haven't recorded. I've been so into Ozark after Tatum came on and – it told me that he had finished it and Big John had finished it. I've gotten into it and I'm a season and a half into Ozark and it is insane. That show is wild. Yeah. Shout out Marty. He's cool. Marty Bird. Shout out Marty. Ruth. I think Ruth's your favorite character. Marty B is a G. <laughs> Marty B is a G. <laughs> he is. So, yeah. We just... print... Hey, print those shirts, huh? <laughs> we should print those shirts. <laughs> Definitely should print those shirts. But Yeah, Ruth. She's a bad woman too, though. She's a ride or die chick for she's sure. She's scary. Darlene is the scariest to me so far. She's, yeah. yeah. She's bananas. She will continue that. She will continue she's, that. Yeah. You just yeah. I'm on the level of giving myself and Big John home haircuts, so we've reached that level yeah. in quarantine. You got you gotten into giving yourself a haircut or having someone maybe trim your Goldilocks for you, Headland? Yeah. I uh I was over at my buddy Cade Rice's the other day and I was helping him put up his sheds, and a friend of his is, or a friend of ours is over there, and uh, his fiance was over there, and she was starting to get a haircut. So I just went ahead and just continued with the mullet. Long live Joe Diffie. Yeah, I think the mullet looks great. I'm seeing it on the on the video chat, and hopefully you can maybe tell on the picture we're posting for social media. But you can, you can see the the Goldilocks that are. That are hanging from from Cody's skull. So yeah, hey, speaking of Cade Rice, that's that's pretty cool. He he went out on his own. If you're needing to send some team roping horses anywhere, that's where I'd send him. That guy's unreal, super good guy. I've uh, been with Clay Logan for a long time and finally going out on his own. So I know he's ready for it. And if you're on the market for needing some team roping horses trained, that's who I'd send him to. Yep. The other thing I did notice, Headland, was there were some NCHA associations that were trying to get heated back up. I noticed on Facebook, PK Cutters had a few shows that they had on the docket that I thought it was really good that they didn't just cancel them a month and a half, two months out like you saw a lot of events and a lot of shows, a lot of sports events, golf tournaments, tennis tournaments, whatever it may be doing. Yeah, they wanted to have a, a show at J5 this coming up weekend, had some issues with scheduling at the facility, and then they announced the May show in Graham will be canceled as well uh, due to Young County circumstances. So it's just crazy to see all the extenuating circumstances and the stars they are going to have to align for us to have a, have a cutting horse show that – that one wasn't yeah. even going to count toward the point year. Of course, the point year, they want to get, get started back up May 17th, but who knows if that's even going to happen now. Yeah, it's – even if they do start up, like, I mean, it's going to be hit or miss, you know, when everybody can get started and when that cutting can actually get going again. So it uh, 
Oh, yeah, an update from the Pacific Coast virtual flag cutting. They had 69 people in it, I believe. That's a pretty good turnout for, for the first, an- yep. first annual flag cutting. That's awesome. Yeah, which if California stays closed, they might have to continue doing these flag cuttings, I guess. So just like you said with sports, it's the same thing with cutting. Like, man, we I'm, I know everybody can't wait to get it back going again. It's, it's all we do and all we talk about and – feels weird not going to these shows and it uh but hopefully it'll all turn around here soon yeah it's just different times we were talking about yesterday with the cutting horse world there's no real off season so this is the first time ever that people have been home for this long of a of a stretch of time and it's crazy to see because whenever i tell people i show horses like what's the busy time of year for cutting well all 12 months of the year are pretty much what it takes if you want to be successful at anything that has to do with horses, especially cutting, just because you got three-year-olds, you got two-year-olds, and the process just starts over every single year. So it's just crazy to see everyone at home. People are bored, and you don't ever see that normally whenever there's shows scheduled and, and the year is progressing. Yeah, a lot of lawn care. A lot of lawn care. Lots of lawn care and lots of... <laughs> random let's hey let's fix this because we want to and there's nothing else to do let's clean some cinches for a lot of people's sake hopefully the cutting year resumes as soon as possible well we have a special guest today here on the section k podcast we'd like to welcome mr stephen hayes uh, formerly of the ncha now currently with the american paint horse association uh there at the apha stephen is the chief marketing officer um, we thought we'd have him on today to talk a little bit about what the APHA is up to with their virtual horse shows and just kind of what it's like working for a big-time sports association or a otherwise horse association here in this case during these unprecedented times with a shutdown. So, Stephen, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Listen to you guys for a while. You're doing a great job. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, we, we you. knew you and definitely saw you around a ton uh, during your time uh, with the NCHA around Fort Worth at the Triple Crown events. And, um, yeah, so it's cool to have you have you on at uh, here at the Section K podcast. Can't wait to pick your brain about just some different times that are going on in the world, an alternative way to kind of show your horse and be able to compete um, while staying home and while staying safe and keeping others safe. Uh, so kind of briefly um, explain kind of what the APHA is up to uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So we started, we actually had this conversation a while ago, about a year ago, this conversation started about the possibility of online showing. They do a lot of online coaching, um, but the judge aspect of showing um I don't feel like it's a far stretch to do it online. And I mean, there's some things that you got to deal with as far as honor system, things like that. But we've had this conversation over a year ago, but with the current situation, obviously we put pushed that to the front of the line to try to figure out uh, how we make that work. So we actually did. We were one of the first uh, breed associations, I'd say, uh, to launch a online showing platform. It's evolving. It's and I think it'll continue to evolve. Our our goal is to keep this going through the future and not be just a COVID nineteen thing. Um, and it's and it's not that we think it'll ever replace the live shows. Uh, it's an enhancement of the live shows. 
Uh, you know, for us, we at APHA, you have a lot of pattern classes, um, you know, ranch classes that are pattern based. So something that you could do before an event would be obviously have a online show with those patterns before like your world show, for instance, uh, and give people an opportunity to do work those patterns on a judged basis and kind of know where they're at and what to practice on before they get to the, the big, you know, the big lights at, at the world show. So that's kind of our overall goal. Uh, with what we started and I think it'll evolve continually as we keep progressing forward. So no matter the discipline, uh, explain how people enter these virtual horse shows. Yeah. So where it is today, we have two, it's twofold. So you have an entry fee and then you have a, a payment for judges feedback. So you can just enter and we'll pay cash back for on your entry fee. Uh, and then, or if you want some judges feedback, kind of tell you where you are, how you're doing. Uh, there's another fee for that. And, um, but that's the, that's the simple of the twofold deals. Once you <clears throat> go to upload, you essentially just do it in your arena or your grass lot. You don't even have to arena. We've had people do it literally in a pasture. As long as they do the pattern that's described, you go in, you video your run or have someone video your run. You'll upload it to YouTube. We put that into a YouTube link within your entry form. We have an online entry system uh, that has questions, you know, are you a paint horse or are you a quarter horse, whatever it is. We're all breed, so we don't really care, but we give some incentives for paints. Uh, and then you do your entry fee. You put your your uh, link to your YouTube, which you can set that to private. That's a YouTube feature. You can set it to private or public, whatever you want to do. And then uh, put it in there, and then we'll send it to our judges at the end of entries closing. And then you get, if you paid for the feedback, you'll get feedback. If not, you'll just get cash back if you placed in the top, whatever the payments are. How much does it cost to enter like each event or is it like different for uh, different disciplines and, and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. So we, most events are going to be $25 entry fee. Um, if then then a $25 judges feedback fee. So it's $50 total. If you do both, um, there's a couple of exceptions with around the team roping world. We did a time team roping. And we're probably going to do a timed barrel race as well. Uh, we'll change those fees a little bit. Because since it's timed, it's going to be a little different. We're probably going to do a $50 entry fee for the roping because it's three head instead of one. So it's going to be a little bit more uh, to time all three runs versus you know just doing one judged run. You mentioned you had cutting and boxing and, and just all different kinds of – I mean, there's a, basically a place for anybody to go show their horse and, and send it into the paint horse deal and, yeah. and get judged. Yeah, absolutely. We we had we started. You know, when we launched, we had ten events. We did ten events. Was just the start. Uh, this next, this is we're on our second e show now. Uh, we've done. I think we did twenty five events this time. And you know, our goal is to get up to about fifty to six seventy five events, where pretty much touches everybody, and then gives you know non pro open guys, what, whoever wants to enter, a little place to go. Uh, but yeah, we do have uh, the cattle classes as far as boxing. Um, we didn't do fencing because we think it's a little bit difficult for some of those guys to to do that. Um, and you're not really set up for it unless you're an open trainer. It's it's just kind of hard. Uh, so we didn't do that. We did a flag, we did do a flag class this this time, um, which but we're judging it like the boxing. Uh, just just makes it a little simpler. It's 50 seconds. Um, you can ride two hands. You don't have to work it with you know one hand down. So. And just to clarify, I wanted you to repeat this. The horse does not have to be a paint horse to be eligible to yeah. compete in these shows, yeah. correct? Correct. Yeah, it's, we're doing an all breed. We give some incentives if you are if you do have a, a paint, but no, we wanted to open this up for everybody. So for like the cutting, did you guys get like NCHA judges, or did you do you guys have judges through the Paint Horse Association that you guys are using for that? 
Yeah, a lot of times we try to use on discipline specific like that, we'll try to use uh, dual approved judges. So they're both APHA and NCHA uh, judges. That's how we usually do that. Same thing with reining or any of those others. So kind of honing in on the flag class, how is that flag class judged? It, it's judged like the boxing would be at like an NRCHA event, a Raining Cow Horse event. So uh, it's 50 seconds. You can ride two hands. Um, you know, so if you've got a three-year-old, you want to work in the flag, you, you can essentially do it like you would at a boxing run, um, and, and we, we will still judge it. You won't get disqualified for that. That's cool. That's super inclusive, um, obviously, uh, being being uh, accessible to all breeds and being accessible yeah. to all levels of horses, um, even if they need to be reined and two-handed, uh, they still have a place to come uh, compete for some money. So I think that's super cool. Uh, what kind of prizes uh, are there going to be? Are there any tangible prizes, or is it all uh, cash back return? Yeah, right now it's just cash back. We've, being that we are doing a cash back, a lot of the virtual shows you see now are just prizes. You pay an entry fee and then you get prizes. We felt that it would be nice to actually get to pay some of these people's money. So we stuck with that. We've had a lot of people reach out and want to do prizes for that. So we may go to um, having a prize line as we continue to evolve. It gets a little more convoluted when you do prizes just with the world we live in today with shipping and getting that stuff in and who drop ships, who doesn't. So just some um, logistical stuff that we didn't want to have to get into yet, uh, but we think those, that will evolve at some point. You said this is going to be the second round. Would you say the first first round of e-shows was a success overall? Yeah, we um, we actually got double the entries that we anticipated for our first one. Um, our entry fees were a little bit higher on our first one. We did a $50 entry fee with a 70% payback. Um, so we were higher than most virtual shows because most of them are 10 bucks, 25 something like that. But again, they're doing just prizes where we're actually paying cash back. Um, so we, you know, one of our classes, the winner, I think she ended up with like 250 bucks, um, on a run right from her house, which was not a bad little payday for someone sitting at home just playing. These are, these are great ideas, especially while we're all quarantined right now to keep people interested in, in the paint horse world or the cutting horse world. I know the PCCHA has been doing their flag cutting and, and I think it's, it's awesome the way that people have, have, uh, evolved with all the stuff going on in the world that. Um, yeah. to keep people involved with our disciplines that we do. And so I think yeah. it's awesome. Well, the great, the great thing for me is, uh, you know, in this time, <clears throat> a lot of people, we get, we get nervous of change or fear change. And, and this is very, it's a scary time, no matter what, no matter what industry you're in, it's a scary time to be in because we just don't know, right? You don't know how long is this going to go? When's this going to end? What's it going to look like? Um, but the nice thing, and I always try to stay as positive I can, the greatest thing about this is it forces most people that are uncomfortable with change to become innovative and change some of the models that they're doing. Now, not to say they can't go back uh, to what they were doing before. That's fine. That's 100% fine if your business model was working. But it forces the people that maybe aren't working, their business model is not working like it should, it forces you to be innovative and not just hold on to what you have, but actually reach out to a different clientele base or different model or whatever it is. So I find it, um, I, I'm actually f fairly enthused about it just because it makes you get a little uncomfortable. I like being uncomfortable. I try to become, un become uncomfortable being or comfortable being uncomfortable. So I try to look at it that way is, man, it, it really forces you to be innovative. And that's a, that's a cool thing. It, it's cool to see where the equine industry could go, you know, post coronavirus if, some of these associations will become innovative and do some different things. 
Well, I don't know about other disciplines, but I know cutting, uh, just getting in the show pen or feeling like you're in a show setting and having some money on the line uh, never hurts, yeah. making you feel like you're in a show setting. So I think that's really cool. And uh, even when the shows do pick back up, uh, that's just another way to go compete and put yourself, like you like you said, uh, put yourself in kind of an uncomfortable circumstance and, and go compete yeah. and have a chance to, to get ready for maybe some bigger shows down the line. So I think that stuff's really cool. Yeah, we've all been there, you know, right in the, you know, I'm a team roper. So you think about, man, I'm back when I'm a kid, I back in the box for $100,000 in the NFR. Same thing with the futurity, man, I'm riding in for the 250000 You know, we all did it as a kid. So you always pressure up, even today, when you practice in the practice pen, you're like, oh, this is the last cow, the futurity. All you got to do is hold this cow and you're going to win the frigging thing. And, you know, so it's just kind of fun to have that competition-based mindset when you walk in a herd. The famous, uh, the famous last shot on the basketball court right in front of your house. Yeah. You know, five, four, three, two. That's right. Kobe. Yeah. Uh, especially for some of these trainers. I mean, obviously, it's there's probably horses that have went home. Um, there's probably horses that are just on board right now. So it's tough to be, you know, keeping cash flow. My dad, I mean, they did the Pacific Coast flag cutting, and he had 10 or 15 customers came over, and they set up the flag in the indoor, and and uh i mean had a good time and and also like just kept people in it you know and and it's just it's it's so amazing just how far we've come i feel like as a as a group of people in this covid deal oh yeah yeah absolutely well that's great like you know rock doing his deal with bringing those clients out that's that's what we wanted we this is you know you want trainers to be innovative too and they have to in today's market everybody you're running a business as a horse trainer so if you're not willing to be innovative yeah i understand that you know most of your business revolves around riding a horse but it's not all about riding the horse you got clients and you got other things so uh, with these flag classes and some of our other outside of just cutting but you know those trainers are bringing their clients in and they're you know paying a fee to do a clinic and then they're you know videoing them to enter in these e-shows and i i think that's great that's a great tool and they get great feedback from a judge and from their trainer and they match those things up and by the time they get out those people will be further ahead than most of the others that are just sitting back waiting for this deal to go away yeah i did think that was cool on the pacific coast um some of those videos i noticed i think it might have been steve schlesinger's place they had cattle in the back and they had a clock set up and everything i mean they simulated it as best they could and made it as as realistic as they could so i thought that was really cool well yeah. at first we you know you saw the idea and you're like oh man this is kind of different you know we're gonna have we're gonna all send in videos and and get judged on our videos on the flag like that's a little bit different but dad and i talked to it and and like that's why we ended up sponsor or we, metellus we had metellus cat end up sponsoring it is because i mean this is the kind of stuff that needs to keep cutting going right now and, and yeah. just keep Whatever discipline, you know, just like the APHA, I mean, we need these these things right now to keep moving on and, and keep looking forward to better days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you always want to be on the front end of innovation. So if I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a, in a sponsorship role, but when you can be on the front end of stuff, one, it's cheaper for the sponsor, right? You can jump in because nobody knows how to price it. So jump mm -hmm. in there, get in the front end. Now you supported them through the front and it just, you know, it, it's always fun to be on the front end of that stuff in my mind anyway. So how does a team roper you mentioned end up working as a marketing manager for the cutting horse industry and then obviously moving on to the, or the NCHA and then moving on to the APHA? <laughs> Man, that's a great question. Uh, 
I don't know if I'm going to answer it the best. I've just kind of got stuck into uh, marketing roles, I would say, over my course of my career. I, you know, I had a few small jobs when I first got out of college. I have a degree in animal science, uh, so it has nothing to do with marketing. I grew up on a cow-calf operation in Comanche, Texas. Um, had no idea what I want to do. Got an animal science degree because I thought, you know, maybe I'll go back to the ranch or whatever that was. And then, then I went to work for the United States Team Ropers Championship. I went to uh, work for them in event management and then is also in classifications, which is the worst flipping job you can ever imagine. Uh, it is, it's got to be worse than the IRS. Like, there's no other job worse than this. You, uh, so you gave people their numbers? Is that what Yes. Yeah. yeah. I did oh. all their numbers. I bet you made some enemies doing that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's different than, um, like, you know, based like cutting or any of the others because we have analytical data just like baseball or any of the stats. You know, so we actually have data to measure. But it's still, it is a horrible job. I'm not going to lie. I've never still been sad that somebody wouldn't let him and his wife rope together. <laughs> might have been you. It might have been, you know. <laughs> but most of the time, it's funny now, <clears throat> I'll talk to somebody that I talked to on the phone, because I talked to every one of them, dang ropers, and uh, they'll say, oh, they'll introduce themselves. I'm like, yeah, I'm Steven. Oh, I've met, I've, do I know you? And I'm like, no, but we've talked on the phone before. Oh, really? And I'll tell them, you know, our conversation, which some of them are bad, some of them ain't, but... Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a rough job. Um, I enjoyed the analytical side of it, you know, all the stats and understanding that. Cause it was, it was super interesting. Um, I became the greatest partner picker, uh, of the world because you could tell when one guy's trending up, the other guy's trending up, those guys pair together, they're going to win something as long as they're, um, you know, consistent like that you have been. So that part of it was fun, but dealing with those ropers, man, it was a different environment. So anyway, uh, moved on from there and went to NCHA. And when I was in NCHA, I started with the sponsorship and just marketing in general, just some of that stuff. And um, I've always prided myself on just a guy being uh, willing to do whatever needs to be done. I don't really don't care what the job is per se. It's not really about a title to me. Um, when there's a problem, I just want to be the solution guy. So I just want to. Well, that's one of my things. When I die, I want someone to say, you know, that Stephen Hayes, he was a doer. You know, he just got shit done. That's kind of my thing. Um, and that was the same thing at NCHA, just projects somebody would give me and then I would run with it and try to make sure it was done. And, um, somehow or another that route rolled into the marketing roles and then the events as, as well as I'm sure both of you seen me at most of the NCHA events and then some of the Mercurias, uh, I became kind of the Mercuria guy in some way, uh, went to all of those. So that's how that ended up. And then I went on to, you know, APHA. I, I just wanted to be a little bit more round. Um, you know, cutting was great. Team roping was great. But APHA, we touch more disciplines, um, pretty much every discipline. Uh, granted, we may not be the top end of every discipline, but um, we just do them all. So getting to see that side of it and then also being obviously a breed registry and a register in horses and um, that aspect, I feel like that gives me a good, good roundabout of the entire equine industry, which is fun for me. There was a Fort Worth champion that was a paint horse, I believe, not too long ago, Kinley Marvin's horse, Cinderella Cat. So, Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite paint horses of all time. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, keeper. So you talked about a little bit about your serious side. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the funny side of Stephen Hayes. I've noticed kind of before, really right before we had this call, um, or before we kind of talked about setting up this call, I no have noticed some of your TikToks on Facebook. So talk a little bit about TikTok and me personally, I'm on pretty much every social media platform, but that one. So how did you get kind of into TikTok and your TikToks get pretty good hits uh, on the reg. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, you know, it's fun. Um, I don't know how it all got started. I posted a video the other day of, of somebody that said, you know, the five stages of TikTok. Uh, I posted it on, and it, I mean, it's 100% accurate. If you go watch that video, it is exactly how it happens. You're like, that is the stupidest thing. It's like children on this thing. I'm not getting on it. And then you move on to the phases of it. Um, but it, it's just something that I, I'm a guy that gets fascinated with something I don't understand. And so then once I don't understand it, I have to keep going until I understand it. Now, granted, there's a lot of things I still don't understand today that I do, uh, which I question most of the time. But, um, you know, TikTok is it's just kind of something fun. I, I have a uh, uh, a funny side to myself. I consider it. And, and I like to do some of that stuff that's just different than everybody else is doing. And um, the more people that give me hell about it, the more I want to do it because I think <laughs> that they're giving me hell because they're jealous that they can't do it or not willing to. Um, most people are nervous about putting out content of themselves being stupid or silly. I think that's a good thing. Um, it's it's humbling and you know just just trying things. So that's my whole fascination with TikTok is I can't understand the algorithms whatsoever. Um, I did a video with my wife eating my dang French fries a little while back, and the dang thing's up to a hundred thousand views. I think it's really funny, but it's you know then I'll make another one that I think is hilarious and doesn't go anywhere. So uh, the algorithms are fun, but it's just something fun. I like to have fun with it and. It's uh, a growing popularity. I think it's doubled in downloads since this quarantine thing. So that's kind of interesting to you. Well, and that's, that's, I mean, exactly, you know, you're talking about marketing and, and you, you don't realize it, but that stuff is marketing. I mean, even though there's silly oh, yeah. videos half the time, like there's people that are watching that and you never know when somebody's going to see that video and be like, what's this about? And then, oh yeah, you know, even well, if it's not one of the voiceover ones or. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, um, I, I think that the equine industry as a whole, we don't do a there's there's a couple things in the equine world that I don't think that we do a great job at. Um, and, and one is being relevant in today's environment, in, in the today's world. We kind of get stuck in our own uh, niche, I'd say, you know, we kind of get stuck in our own world. And I think you got to become relevant uh, just to expand and then, you know, creating some non-member revenue is another thing. But if we stick with becoming relevant in today's marketplace, we did it at APHA. I'm sure you both saw the get up challenge, uh, that dance, right? Um, and so I, that fascinated me. So I took that video, that get up challenge, and we did a video uh, at APHA, and we did it through our horse show. Um, you may have seen it, may not have, but we did a video with a bunch of our kids at our youth world, and it was the get up challenge. We, that The whole deal came from TikTok because I was, I was watching it on TikTok. And uh, we ended up doing, I think that thing's like at 700,000 views now. Uh, it pretty well went viral. And uh, I don't know that another equine organization has ever had a viral video, uh, but I get compliments on that a lot. But it's being relevant to today's marketplace. There was, I don't know how many people that had no idea about horses whatsoever, but it tied horses into what they were watching. And that's the big thing, right? You, you want to become relevant to people that don't have horses. There's, there's going to be a lot of people in this world that never own a horse. But when you think about a horse, you want them to think cutting horse or you want them to think a paint horse or whatever that is, right? They have an affinity of some kind. They like horses. Every little girl grew up with a uh, dream of owning a pony. So how, how can you uh, have that vision in their mind of having a cutting horse? And then when they get some disposable income, uh, they go on and they either buy a cutting horse or a paint horse or whatever that is. So, How does your wife feel about your TikTok fame? Yeah, that's a good question. So she's kind of she's kind of getting on board now. She when I first started it, she's like, "Those are so stupid. What are you doing? I don't want to be five any stages, of your man, shit." Five stages. Yeah. 
it's the five stages. I don't want any. Don't don't video me. Even if she's in the background, she's like, get out. I don't want any part of it. And uh, she, you know, tell me how stupid I was. And then she finally downloaded it. And then I got her talked into a couple TikToks here. And now that she's uh, got one that's a hundred thousand views, she's a uh, she's on board. I got her. I got her converted now. Yeah, it's it's quite quite hilarious. I've saved quite a few sounds. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to do first. Yeah. Oh yeah, it gets addictive, man. I tell you, it gets addictive. Just the whole YouTube TikTok star. I mean, you talk about going viral. I mean, there's kids on there that don't do anything but choreograph dance that have. Oh yeah. I mean, every single one of their videos and every piece of content that they put out gets between three and six million views, and they're there's kids being flown from LA to Miami to party for, I mean, it's, it's absurd. The opportunities that are out there for mostly young people predominantly, I should say, just because that's pretty much who capitalizes on it mostly. But, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for, for people to make large sums of money, uh, putting out oh, yeah. content on the internet. Yeah. It's a content environment. That's what we live in. So that's the, you know what stops most people from becoming famous is they're they're afraid to get on and do stuff and put stuff out there. Um, that's the biggest thing is most people are afraid to look vulnerable. You can't be afraid to look vulnerable if that's what you want to do. Create content. Well, you think like back to like when YouTube kind of really started growing with Dude Perfect when it was just a bunch of videos of guys just doing trick shots, trick basketball yep. shots, and that's it. And they lived down. They went. To, I think some of them went down to school in A and M. Yeah, all of them and, went to A and M. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they just started putting those videos on, and then now they have a big warehouse, and they live, or Ty's grandparents live right down the road. I've seen them at the Maverick just down the road from my house, and, and uh, oh, yeah. I, I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, man, uh, are you Ty from Dude Perfect? He was like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm a little older than the people that probably normally <laughs> watch these things, but I've seen them, and I love your videos, man. They're awesome. I was like, don't, I'm not trying to be weird, but why do you live down here, and or why are you down here? And he said, well, my grandparents have a ranch, which is where they do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. They, I think they have a hunting lease or something, or they have a hunting ranch or something. And they live just right down the road from, from me, somewhere around here. Yep. And, and they that? do a lot of, I mean, it's just crazy. But, like, they just started with an idea of just putting trick shots on YouTube, and people just loved it. And, they, I mean, who knows how long it took them to do some of those shots. I'm sure there's, oh, yeah. there's so many of them that are just, like, just have to hit just right that it takes them forever. But... It's uh, it's crazy how how uh, how it just gets started and gets rolling, and then it just takes off. That's hilarious. Yeah. You mentioned that headland because the same contractor that did the remodel on my parents' place in Wit built every structure on the Dude Perfect guy's ranch, and I think it's somewhere. I want to say right around Lipan. That's really funny. You mentioned that. Yeah, he's a pretty cool dude too. You always wonder if those people that get famous off of YouTube or or yeah. even you know famous actors or whatever if they're really actually cool people and he was super nice and i was just trying not to be weird and you know like <laughs> fanboy or nothing like that yeah it's like hold a trash can hey make this shot I you can. <laughs> hey yeah throw your foil in this basket here <laughs> yeah yeah well i just checked one of tanner odell's tiktoks and it's up to four milli so it's just a cutting horse like working the flag or out in the pasture or something like that it's up to four milli so that's pretty unreal yeah. yeah, I don't think there's been a single cutting horse video or video related to cutting horses that's been viewed four million times. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. absurd. And you think of the the wide variety of people that watch it, and all it takes is just somebody to get interested, in, and boom, you got them. Oh yeah, absolutely. It may not be it may not be today, but you could find cutting on TikTok. 
That's right. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of cutting, you obviously have some expertise in cutting, being around the NCHA as, as much as you have. If you had to pick five NCHA open trainers to be quarantined with, who would you choose? <laughs> I might get in trouble for some of this one. Uh, so, so the first question is, is, it, is this for like to have a good time, or is this I, I actually want to learn something from these five trainers? Maybe a little I bit of both. I think it's just five trainers who you could deal with to be quarantined with for this whole time that we've been quarantined. Well, okay. So I pick, I'll pick Cordy Porterfield cause I went to college with him. I've lived with him. I know I can stand him. Like, and if you get too annoying, I just lock him in a room and I'm good. Like you can just, Cody go sit in your room. We're good. So I've lived with him. I can handle that. I'll pick Tatum cause me and Tatum are buddies. He doesn't say a lot. He's fairly quiet. So no, I don't think he'll get on my nerves too bad. Which is good. Uh, I mean, you don't want a chatterbox all the time. I would right? Think, yeah, you gotta, house, you gotta right? shut up at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably go. My next would probably be Michael Cooper because his son's rope. I feel like you know you would they would rope with you, and I'm a team roper. So you know now I got someone to rope with. It's like good all around. You, you know, you got somebody to go do something that's fun. And I feel like Cooper would be a good mediator if you and Porter like Porterfield's going to be talking too much. You're going to be. He'd be a good meteor, like, hey, guys, like, let's keep the peace. Everybody be happy. And you'd get to rope, so it's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next would probably be uh, Colin Chartier. That'd be a good beer drinking, right? It would be have fun, have a good time. It'd be just easy going. I don't think it'd be too exciting. Uh, but, yeah, I think that'd be another one. So I'm thinking my four, right? Yep. Yeah, one um, more. Uh, Is there a wise man? That you guys that would need be need to be thrown in that house? Yeah, probably so. Um, I I'd probably go with Mr. Chubby just because I worked with him a bunch when uh, I was at NCHA and the Mercuria deal, and um, I he just treated me good. He kind of took me under his wing when I first got into NCHA and didn't let anybody beat on me too bad. So I'd probably go with Chubby on that one. Uh, old Chubb ain't afraid to have a good time, neither. Oh, that's no why. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a pretty right. solid house. Off the bat, yeah. we kind of want to get into some more of that quarantine stuff, so we're looking for some of that on our Facebook, Instagram page. But that's a pretty solid uh, quarantine house there, Stephen. I was I was impressed with those selections. Hey, thanks. You know, try. <laughs> Tatum's a good cook too, so that way. I mean, that's right. That's yeah, you, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. And he likes to have a good time too. Another guy that's just fun. But is also yeah, serious. Yeah, offline I can give you a good story about Tatum, but I'm not going to do it on your podcast here. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, man, what are some of your other thoughts in general on COVID-19 and kind of what you're up to personally? Were you hunkered down there for a little, a little bit of time uh, whenever things were kind of iffy? Yeah, you know, APHA, as far as the office and stuff, they shut down just like everybody else. They, we, we were lucky in the fact that we set up a virtual, uh, a way to do a virtual office. Um, we had that set up a while back, and that was more for um, like ice storms and stuff like that. We moved our offices to the stockyards, too. So that's another thing. There's a lot of events down there. We wanted to have that capability that if there was a major event on a Friday in the stockyards, that we could tell everybody to stay home, uh, work from their house. So we were lucky and fortunate in that sense. It was super easy for us to turn into a virtual office. Um, but we did hunker down there for a while. Um, it's, you know, it, my wife's a nurse practitioner, so she's kind of in a lot of that stuff and understands what's going on. A lot of it's uh, hygiene more than anything. I think there's more people or people that are susceptible to it. 
you know, for me, I'm not worried about getting the virus. That's not a concern of mine. My concern is I give it to somebody else and something bad happens to them. And that's where I think a lot of younger people, they think, well, I'm not going to get it. And it's not, I'm, I got a great immune system, all this stuff. And that's probably true, but you can have it on your shirt and walk into a room with a elderly person uh, or a baby or whatever that may be and pass it on. So that, that's the main reason that we try to stay home as much as we can. But you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to end up. I don't know how long this thing is going to go. Um, you know, the only thing I know is that I hope that by the time we get out of here, we don't have another Tiger King series that we got to listen to or watch all over social media. Uh, golly, that was rough. But, you know, I, I think, like I said earlier, I think that the innovation, if, if these associations will take the initiative and not be afraid to do something different, um, they may take some heat for it and whatever reason. You know, it's this e-show thing, there's a lot of ifs. What if? What, what if? You know, what if this guy does that? What if, well, you know, you're going to have what ifs, whatever. You just try to evolve, get better each time you go around. But I think it could be a a new equine world if a lot of these associations would jump out there and try some new things while they have the opportunity. Um, This is the time to do it. Nobody's going to criticize you at this point in time because there's no reason to. They all just know we're trying to survive. Everybody's taking a hit. Um, You know, it's. There's a lot of people in the staff, and, and most people don't understand how much these associations run off of uh, the events themselves and how many biz- businesses run from the events themselves. And when there's no events, uh, it's hard for these companies and people and individuals to make a living. Um, and that's what is hard for people to understand. They don't get that. You just think of some of the vendors and businesses like that. Their sole business, they don't even have a retail outlet. Their sole business is those shows. Um, and so that's that's come with some of the things that I try to try to let people know and think about. Like it's it's a different world. It's you know you think about most people when they're in a sport, they think about just going. But there's so many people that rely on those jobs, and I mean, myself included. If you know we didn't have horse shows, we didn't have any equine organizations, I wouldn't have a job, wouldn't have the career that I have today. And there's a lot of dedicated and motivated people um, that it could be scary for them, and um, you know they have a lot of knowledge. So. I don't know where it's going to go. I, I hope we come out of it, but it, I just hope that these associations are being uh, innovative in what they're thinking and and uh, progress into the future when we come out. I think one of the hardest parts of, of everything getting rolling is just everybody together as a, as a whole country because obviously there's hotbed spots like New York and L.A. And, and places where there's a lot of people that live in the same building. So I feel like that's going to be the telltale sign is when can everything get going because that's going to be i mean i don't think it's very i guess right to have a bunch of events like like say for like the world standings or something like that for the nchj well how is that going to be fair for you know cutting horse people in texas to be at holland while people in california are technically still quarantined because as of right now they're technically i think california is going to be shut down for the rest of the year yeah so, so far so i yeah. think that's that's going to be the hardest part of of getting everything going again because i mean there's so many it's different like we've been a lot less affected here in texas obviously you know we're there's a lot more spread out you know people don't live as close I and mean, obviously dallas and, and fort worth and houston and austin the big cities there's a lot of people that live close together but i think it's just gonna it's gonna be a a long time and, and like you said i think the better the longer you can just deal with it and stay inside and make sure you stay safe and keep everybody else safe is going to help this thing move along a whole lot quick, like a lot quicker. 
Yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I think Absolutely. those are great points. And, uh, yeah, just kind of echoing off what you're saying, Hedlund, my, my family that lives in midtown Manhattan, they loaded up their car, took all the food in their apartment, and drove cross-country to Reno, Nevada to their mountain home. And they plan on being there for, like you say, the rest of the year just because mm-hmm. they don't see life uh, resuming uh, to normal in the five boroughs of New York City for quite some time. And that's what's scary. That's what's crazy is, like you said, it's just not going to be fair if uh, we can go back to Holland and go into horse shows, but other geographical geographical locations are, in fact, shut down and, and people aren't, aren't able to participate. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't think you know. A lot of people, I feel, think that the world is going to just one day flip a switch and it's going to be back to the way it was. It's never going to be the way it was, uh, and that's what people need to understand. It's not going to be. We're going to be in a post-corona world, and that's what it's called. It should be called that. It's going to be a different environment. It's not going to flip the switch and everybody's going to go back to what they were doing. Um, you know, and then the events. That's the scary part for these associations with their events is. You know, you come to a point where, you know, it's easy to cancel it now if you're in this area, but you talk about two months outside of when they say, okay, everything can go back. Well, you know, how many people are going to say, you know, I'm going to pump the brakes. I don't know uh, if that virus is still out there. They haven't found a cure or whatever. So I'm going to stay home, just not take my chance. Well, then these associations, you know, they lose those entries. It, that's killer and so there's just some of those things that man it's going to be it's going to be hard 2020 is not going to be it's not going to be an easy year even in the fall it's not going to be and then all these ones that have canceled in the spring they're all going to try to you know go over the top of each other in the fall and try to get fall dates uh just to because they like i say a lot of the associations that's where they make their money it's on an event it's, you know they're they're making their living or their association on the event so they don't have it and they're not a membership-based organization. Um, I mean, it's just it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a tough year for everybody. Well, like Tim Smith said on a podcast or two ago, the Pacific Coast first show back is supposedly going to be uh, the uh, the Derby in Vegas, I believe. And that's a, I mean, that's a spot right there. I mean, that's based on tourism. Yeah. And and how are you going to be able to to really? I mean, it's going to be a touch and go kind of a situation i mean obviously vegas shut down pretty early and it's been shut down but same with those places they need to open back up too so they can start making money again that's right and and i guess the only thing that is going to turn the lights off in vegas is not as much that we win at the blackjack table rud it's just the corona it's just (laughs) the coronavirus the coronavirus will shut the lights off that's That's all we need that's a funny joke that's what we our joke at south point Stephen is we always ask uh the the blackjack dealers shout out Dallas from Long Beach. Uh, how many hands of blackjack we need to hit before the lights go out? <laughs> so they can't pay their power bill. They look yeah. at us like we're idiots. She's like, "Yeah, I don't think Michael and Paula are worried about that happening with uh, you two folks <laughs> in the building." So get out of here. <laughs> and then the waitress comes by and brings us a couple more drinks. <laughs> Just keep spending your money, boys. Keep yep. Your money. Yep. Well, this has been fun. Steven, remind everybody where they can find the information on the e-shows through the APHA. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for having me again. So, yeah, the e-shows is www.apha.com slash showing slash e-shows. And then my TikTok handle is Millennial Cowboy. Yeah, we'll hit both those up. Make sure you smash the follow (laughs) button on uh, the Millennial Cowboys TikTok page. And uh, be sure to check those APHA virtual shows out. Steven, thanks so much again for coming on uh, the Section K podcast, brother. Have, Have a good week. 
Thanks, guys. You too. Stay safe. Yep, you too. Thanks, Stephen. Once again, huge thanks to Stephen Hayes for coming on the Section K podcast this week and telling us a little bit about the initiative that the APHA has taken to keep their members and keep all horse owners, for that matter, involved with showing and providing some sort of a place to be able to go show during these unprecedented times. So big thanks to Stephen, and be sure to follow his TikTok. It's some funny stuff on there. Thanks for listening this week, guys. We'll see you all down the road.